Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Hi everybody, welcome to the message for July 4th. Hopefully we saw you this morning at our house for worship and prayer, but if we didn't, either way, we are continuing in our Rooted Summer section for this week, which was John 7 through 14, and, or sorry, 8 through 14, and we're actually going to be in chapter 9 today. Now, this passage stuck out to me because I very much felt that it evoked this sense of freedom, and as today is Independence Day, um, I think this is a, just a really good picture of what true freedom is as seen um, through the eyes of a uh, just man born blind. So we're going to be in John 9. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles and follow along with me. I'm reading out of the New International Version, this, this go around of John. It says in John 9, 1, Jesus went along and he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus replied, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's interesting, this passage has been used to say that some people might have um, been born blind or or been born lame at this time when Jesus was on earth so that he could be glorified through them. But actually, I think that what Jesus is talking about when he says this has happened so that the works of God could be shown through him is that I am here now with this man. Okay, so not that God caused him to be blind his whole life so that for this moment, you know, he could be healed, but rather God has prepared him to receive what's about to happen his whole life. Keep in mind that this man would have been only one of many beggars who Jesus would have seen here and lined the streets of where he was. In that case, when Jesus passed by this man, I'm paraphrasing Steve Shell. He must have seen something in the spirit that told him that this man had been prepared spiritually, had been prepared in his heart by the Father to receive Jesus. Among the throng of beggars who Jesus could have healed. So Jesus stopped because he knew that the man had been prepared and though blind to natural light, was ready to receive spiritual light. Remember that this theme in John is that Jesus is the light. He is the light in the darkness. He is the light of the world. And so this man was ready to receive that light. And interestingly, when he does, it shines a light on everyone around him as well. As we were talking about uh, last week with Jesus being the light that we bring ourselves into. Jesus knew that the miracle he was about to perform would reveal this kind of preparation that the Father had done in this man, and he knew he would respond in faith. So the internal work that God has been preparing is now about to be on display. And I think this is really important when we talk about sharing the good news or people experiencing Jesus, is this idea that there are people that Jesus has prepared, that um, God has prepared to receive him in a certain time and place. And that's why he, God says, like, always be ready. 
be ready at any time because if your spiritual eyes are open as Jesus's are here, there will be people God points you to who are ready to receive him. So let's keep going. Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must work. We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So what Jesus is saying is he's using day and night to explain that there's a time when he's on earth and he's performing miracles and he is showing the world who he is. And there will be a time when he is not on earth and it won't be so plainly seen like right here in front of you, what he's doing and who he is. You know, when it, he says the light has come when he is with us. And so this idea that his time on earth is a season that is meant to show us something important. He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And what does light do? Well, it illuminates, it shows us. And so what I believe Jesus is saying here is not just that I'm the light, like everyone look at me like a moth to flame, but I'm the light showing you the way forward. I am the light illuminating the path that your feet are also supposed to walk on because Jesus will send his disciples out to do exactly what he's doing here. So this idea of him being the light and him saying God's going to be glorified through what happens here is not just for him and it's not just for the man. He's saying it to his disciples. He's, he's saying, this is the way I work. Watch me. After saying this, Jesus spits on the ground. He made mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home sane. Now this man, who has never before met Jesus, we can assume, is blind and Jesus puts mud on his eyes and tells him to wash. And I'm sure that must have felt somewhat awkward. I don't think spitting into mud and putting it on a, a, another person's eyes was part of normal life here um, in Jerusalem or um, in Judea in uh, AD 30, okay? So um, this would have been a kind of weird thing for this man to go along with. But you know, when you are desperate, but also when you have pre been prepared for God to do a miracle, like this man was right there with Jesus. He did exactly what he said. And sometimes we're looking for healing, but we're not actually willing to be obedient. So this is why Jesus asked someone earlier in John who was lame, he said, do you want to be well? because healing, being healed can be a little awkward. We really have to put ourselves in Jesus's hands. So let's ask ourselves, if I want healing, am I willing to be obedient? This man was obedient, but he also obviously had hope. He had hope that something Jesus was doing was gonna change his life. And this man through obedience and hope came home seeing. It says in verse eight that his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? 
Some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. What a crazy thing that you've been blind from your birth. You now can see, you're seeing all these people for the first time. I'm sure he recognized their voices. And even your neighbors, people who've seen you all the time are split on what is going on and if you are who you say you are. And I think this is important that there is some confusion among his neighbors and the people who are used to seeing him because his coming home seeing and this miracle actually creates confusion and misunderstanding and questions in those who did not experience the miracle directly. The response of the people around him is to say, what's going on here? Is that even the guy? Yes, it is. No, it isn't. And there's this tumultuous moment around this man being healed, which for him would have been a thousand percent joy. I mean, there's no kind of wait, unsurety, you know, in what he's experiencing because he can see and he'll say that soon. I think it's important to note that even people who knew him were saying like, who is this guy? And what I'll say about that is that there are healing pains just as there are growing pains. The people around us are not always going to understand what Jesus is doing in us. The people around us are not always going to understand the healing that's taking place for us and in us and through us. And they may not even be on that journey with us. That might be a journey that's for them at some time, but for us now. And so that's just an encouragement that just because this is completely holy and a beautiful thing doesn't mean that everyone understands it or everyone's behind it, or even that there are people questioning his identity. Who is this that we're even talking about? We will not always be able to explain to people's satisfaction what Jesus is doing in us. But the man shows us a really good example of how to handle that. In verse 10, the people ask him, how then were your eyes opened? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash and I went and washed and then I could see. So he really sticks to the facts. He doesn't embellish or editorialize on what happened. He just says, what happened? Verse 12, they say, where is this man? I don't know, he said. So they brought to the Pharisees this man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight, because technically him being healed on a Sabbath meant that someone had broken a law because you were not supposed to work on Sabbath. He put mud on my eyes, the man who was blind replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he does not keep Sabbath. So they're stuck on this idea that even healing on the Sabbath is a sin. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And what that, what that question is, is rhetorical. They're saying a sinner wouldn't be able to perform such signs. The power of God would not be with someone who was a sinner in this way. 
So they were divided, it says. And then they turned again to the blind man and said, well, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Poor guy, right? He doesn't have a theology degree. He's not a Pharisee. He hasn't studied the law his whole life. He's been out of those conversations and out of some of those things. And the man replied, to the best of his ability, he is a prophet. So the man is willing to say, obviously, that this man is somehow connected to God, but he's not willing to say, oh, he's not a sinner, he's not this or not that. He's saying he is a prophet. Then they bring his parents in and they question them. And they're able to say he was blind from birth. He now sees. And that's about all his parents are able to say because they are afraid of the Pharisees because what has happened has not happened in them. And then in verse 24, it says, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. So now they're getting harder and they're pushing harder and they're basically saying, you're lying if you say this man isn't a sinner because he was healing on the Sabbath and that is a sin. And the man replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What I love about this is that over the course of being summoned and questioned, and I mean, I can't imagine your parents are brought in and questioned, this man's story hasn't changed. He's able to say, this is what he did for me. And no one can take that away from him. No one can say, no, you're still blind. He in his own body has felt and experienced Jesus's presence and his healing power. So who can argue with him? He knows it in his bones, even as this pressure mounts on him. And in that way, he is so freed. He is completely free because of what Jesus has done for him. Because he's experienced it himself, he is free. He's free to tell the truth and he's free to see, not just physically, but now he sees spiritually. He can share what has happened to him because the truth is in his very body. The Pharisees, those who are upholding God's ways and who look for every minute detail of the law of Moses and then expand it to make sure that it never, ever, 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 ever gets broken, are so blind that they cannot see that Jesus is the Messiah. But this man who was blind now sees and not only physically, but spiritually. They have always, the Pharisees have always seen physically, but they cannot see spiritually. To spiritual things, their eyes are blind. So I think it's important now to take a moment and to say, Lord, how would you have us respond to that? What are some things we can pray for in the midst of this story of this man who was blind now seeing, and these people who think they see so clearly, truly being blind to the spiritual reality of what's happening. I think it's important that we pray as a church for our spiritual eyes to be open. I think it's important, important that we pray 
that blind eyes, spiritually blind eyes, would see. And I also think it's important that we pray that the truth of what Jesus has done for us would be in our very bodies, would be in our bones, that we know that we know that we know what Jesus has done for us. He says, I really don't know anything. I just know this one thing. I was blind and now I see. And I think the closer we can get into that, the closer we will be to having eyes and ears and hearts that are soft and open for what Jesus is doing. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had put him out because then they expel him basically from the synagogue. And upon finding him, Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? And son of man is a euphemism for the Messiah. Okay, so do you believe in the Messiah? And the man who had been blind answered by saying, who is he, sir, that I, (laughs) technology, And the man answers by saying, Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. So Jesus is saying, It's me, the one who opened your eyes, the one who touched you with mud and told you to wash. He is the Messiah. It's me. And the man who had been blind said, I believe Lord, and he worshiped Jesus. Now, the man calls him Lord, and this is different than just a few verses earlier where he's telling the Pharisees, oh, he's a prophet. And these two things are important because when we experience Jesus doing something, we are still offered a choice. We can say he's a good guy, he's a prophet, he is someone we should listen to, he's someone I want to learn from, but that is not the same. It does not equate to making Jesus Lord and serving him, worshiping him. But this man does. He is prepared by the Father. He says yes and is obedient to Jesus. His eyes are open both physically and spiritually. And then when he is offered the truth of who Jesus is, he says, I believe, and he makes him Lord and he worships him. And those are two subsequent things, experiencing Jesus and saying yes to making him Lord. I think this story has so much to do with freedom because it's not just about blind eyes being opened because it really could have stopped there. There were plenty of people Jesus healed who did not become his disciples or who, you know, did not, not everyone he healed was in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit after Jesus goes to heaven. But this man, his eyes are open and he decides that He can't lie, and he can't even really squidge things to make them sound better. He has to stick to the truth he knows, which is that he was blind and now he sees. And then as he is tested by the Pharisees, 
by his community, by all sorts of people questioning. Every time he answers, he gets stronger and stronger in saying, this is what Jesus has done for me. So that when Jesus presents him with the truth that he is the Messiah, this man responds and is ready to make Jesus Lord. I think it's important to be praying as a church that the good news would be shared through us for the people who have been prepared. I said earlier that what God is doing in you right now, he might have for the people you know later. It might not be their season, but God is preparing everyone for their season. He is ready to give everyone the opportunity. And so my prayer would be that as a church, we would be looking for and have our spiritual eyes open to the people who have been prepared to hear God's word, the people who are prepared to experience him. And when it's time to share the good news with the people who have been prepared to receive him and make him Lord. But I hope you'll see that even in this story, it wasn't a one-shot thing. There was a process this man had been going through at which the end is him saying yes to Jesus as Lord. The second thing I'd like us to pray for here in response to this last part of the passage is that as the seeds of the good news are planted, as our spiritual eyes are opened, the people God has prepared And he gives us opportunity to just plant little seeds, to just give encouragement, to say what Jesus has done for us, that as those seeds are planted, that our friends and family and neighbors who are ready would believe in and worship Jesus. You know, I think it's important to note that so much of Jesus's work and his spiritual eyes seeing and being able to know who is ready, who's prepared, because he did not heal everyone he saw. He healed this particular man this day because it was the right time and the right place, and this man was ready. So I think we should be praying for our family, our friends, and our neighbors that are ready, that Number one, our eyes would be open, as I said, that the good news would be shared through us. But number two, that we'd actively be praying, Lord, would they believe in and worship you? Not just experience you, not just see your healing, but Lord, would they believe in and worship you? So I'm going to pray for us. Lord, the first thing The very first thing, Lord, that we pray is that our eyes would be open. Lord, we never want to know so much or have seen so much or have heard so much, Lord, that we allow our spiritual eyes to be closed and think that we have everything figured out. Lord, we want our spiritual eyes to be open. We want to be soft and receptive. We want to see what you're doing and partner with you in it. And so, Lord, we ask before we ask for anyone else to know the gospel or anyone else's eyes to be open, Lord, we ask for, right now I ask for my own eyes, Lord, to be open. 
Lord, where I'm spiritually blind, would you heal me? Where I can't see, Lord, would you make me able to see? Would you truly be the light of my world to make me able to see the path that you've laid out that I would follow in your footsteps as the light of the world? Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit within us that comforts us and speaks to us and empowers us. Lord, as we see what you're doing and partner, Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is there to come alongside and to give us boldness and courage to do what you've asked us to do, to share what you've asked us to share, to encourage and pray and to believe, Lord, that you will harvest and that you will bring good fruit of the seeds that we have faithfully planted in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Paul, one of the producers of the Land of Hope podcast. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.